May I take us to this New Testament book, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We will engage in a simple process of Bible study tonight. And at the end, I'll have one question for us, for me to answer and for each of you. And then after that one question, then there will be a follow-up question. That's our destination. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 10, please. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." Look with me, please, at how chapter 3 opens. Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm looking now at the first three words in the English Standard Version, for this reason. If you have the King James, for this cause. Now, if I can remind you of what you studied in college or high school, that's really a pronoun phrase. It has to have an antecedent. It's referring to something. It's a signal to the reader to raise the question, what reason, what cause is being referred to? And to track that down, to discover the antecedent of a pronoun, generally what you do is read back. You consult the preceding section back into chapter 2. Since chapter 3 opens with a reference to something previous, you need to look back into the context. And in the latter part of Ephesians 2, the subject is being one in Christ. No matter what you were before you obeyed the gospel, were you a Jewish person? Were you a Gentile person, a non-Jew? Paul argues, what you were and what you are in your heritage 
or genealogy, it must not separate you now. When you become a Christian, you are taken into this singular body that is composed of everybody who has become a Christian without regard to previous heritage or blood. So that's under consideration by Paul in the latter part of chapter 2 in Ephesians. Let me give you a couple of glimpses into that so that you'll not be inclined to take my word for it. Back in verse 13 of chapter 2. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now the next verse says the division between Jews and Gentiles is over when people become followers of Christ. The dividing wall of hostility comes down. The law of commandments abolished. And in verse 22, in Him you also are being built together in a dwelling place, singular. A dwelling place for God by the Spirit. As you read through the New Testament, especially in Romans and Galatians, it's very clear that this was an issue, even for some who had become Christians. Jews, having their heritage, struggled with this, even after becoming Christians, according to an example given in Galatians 2 prominently. Jews struggle with this unity between Jews and Gentiles in Christ. There were Gentiles who no doubt resented what they considered to be discrimination on the part of the Jews. So this became an issue. This was a problem. Paul is addressing that in the latter part of Ephesians chapter 2. So, as chapter 3 begins, the progression of thought flows out of chapter 2 into chapter 3 for this reason, that is, to preach this unity. Paul says, I was given this task and this revelation. How important was it to Paul to preach this message, <clears throat> specifically the unity of Jew and Gentile in Christ? He's willing to go to prison for it. He was a prisoner who belonged to the Lord and he went to the Gentiles to tell them about this unity in Christ. He went to the Jews to tell them about this. And that's the subject in this context out of chapter 2 into chapter 3. And involved in this, look at that phrase, the stewardship of God's grace. The stewardship of God's grace. In some translations, the word is going to be dispensation. Now, what is that? Dispensation. It carries the idea of something dispensed through a trusted servant. Stewardship and dispensation are tied together here, carrying the idea of something being dispensed through a trusted servant. Something that came from a gracious God that was dispensed through a steward, a servant. It originated from God, but was dispensed through Paul. Now, this next part is important. It wasn't just for Paul's benefit. 
Notice, he says, was given to me for you. So Paul was not to keep this a secret, the gospel, and especially the unity of Jew and Gentile in Christ. What had been mysterious, Paul was commissioned to make plain, to manifest, to reveal. So at this point, here's what I want to do to pull all this together. I want to go back and start at verse 18 in chapter 2, and I want to read right into chapter 3, not stopping for the chapter division, because I want you to see how this all comes together. So, Ephesians 2, 18. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Well, this should have really helped the Christians in Ephesus who may have, may have had some confusion about Jew and Gentile coming together in Christ. And it should help us today to understand that men like Paul were dispensing what God gave them to dispense. They were stewards of a message that they did not originate. It came from God, and God intended that the mystery, something kept before, should now be manifest. The Christians in Ephesus were not completely ignorant about unity in Christ. It was attached to the original proclamation of the gospel. Likely, they were tempted by various ones who resented and questioned the unity of Jew and Gentile in Christ. Paul gives emphasis to the reality that it wasn't his message, his plan, his arrangement. It came from God and was dispensed through Paul and the others who were equipped by the Spirit to preach the gospel and write the gospel and make sure there was emphasis on the, uh, the unity of all in Christ. Now, there are two words I want to navigate with you. We continue our study in this. The mystery was made known by revelation. Let's talk about those two words and let's be sure we let Paul connect them here. The mystery was made known to me, Paul said, by revelation. In our vernacular, the word mystery is often associated with the unknown. How many times have you said, as you throw your hands up, it's a mystery to me, meaning, I don't know. I don't have the answer. 
Actually, that simple definition works here in Scripture if you quickly follow up with the word revelation. Let me explain. What God planned to do eternally in His mind was not completely revealed in the Old Testament. There was the unknown. Even though prophecy pointed to Christ and the new covenant, not everything was openly stated before Christ came. Hold your place in Ephesians 3. Put your marker there. And go with me to Romans 16. And let's explore this a little further. Romans 16. And we're going to look at the last paragraph, 25 to 27, in Romans 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you see, don't you? In Ephesians 3, the word mystery should only hold our attention until we get to the follow-up word, Revelation. Paul was commissioned to deliver a message that had been a mystery unknown before. Now in gospel preaching, it's made known. It's revealed. It is dispensed. What did Paul do with this stewardship, this message God gave to him to deliver? Well, we know that he spoke that message. What else did he do? He wrote it down. For people back then, in New Testament times, and for us today. Now listen to verses 1 to 3. We're in Ephesians 3, 1 to 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. All right. If anything we've studied so far is complicated, though I doubt it, what comes next is easy. What were the Ephesians supposed to do? Verse 4. When you read this, and what are we supposed to do today? Read it. Remember, it was not a message just for Paul, or just for Jews, or just for Gentiles, or just for first century people. I want to read now from verse 1 down through verse 10. Be listening for how this message is intended for us. You'll hear it. There is a statement you will not miss. There is a word that you will not overlook. 
I make no apology for repeating what we've been reading and studying, but I want to take us down through verse 10. Be listening for how you are included and I'm included. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Well, you didn't miss it. Verse 9, to bring light to everyone. What do we do with what Paul wrote? Exactly what the Ephesians were to do. Read it. It is God's message to bring light, not just to the Ephesians, to bring light to everyone. And this harmonizes perfectly with what we read in Romans 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's where I'm headed. It might be said there are three ways to learn things in this world. One is by experience. Another is by hearing. And a third way is by reading. All of us have learned things in life in all three ways. We have learned a variety of things by direct experience. Fire is hot. It's hot outside. Ice is cold. Traffic is frustrating. On and on. We have learned a lot of things by listening. I certainly hope that's happening right now. But there is reading. God made us in such a way that we're able to not only experience life and hear about things, but the mind God gave us is designed to take in written communication. The law of Moses was written. The prophets wrote. Bill read to us tonight what David wrote. 
Solomon wrote, in the time of Christ and the apostles, the reading of Scripture was an important part of every assembly. When Christ spoke on some subject, how often do you remember that He said, Have you not read? Four of the most well-known religious writers in the world are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Paul says, God revealed to me the message. I wrote it, and when you read it, you can understand what God has revealed for everyone, all nations. Paul in these passages isn't talking just about this, <coughs> this new alliance of Jew and Gentile in Christ. This is a message, the gospel of Christ, to be dispensed to everybody, every person from any nation living anywhere in any time. It is true, in God's house, there are no borders. If people decide to come in the gospel way, once we are there, the discrimination we may have participated in or been victims of before is not taken in to that great spiritual building. The message only partially revealed in the Old Testament is now in the New Testament fully revealed. It's for everybody, including us today, to read, to study, to learn, and to live by. Now I made a promise. I said that we had a destination. I said I had one question for every one of us tonight, and then after that, a follow-up question based on what we've studied in Ephesians 3, 1 through 10. The question, are you a Bible reader? We all need to be doing what is essential according to Paul and the other New Testament writers. Read it so that we can understand and do God's will. That's the simple point of what we've studied in Ephesians. But then I said I had a follow-up question. I found this from Mark Copeland, gospel preacher in Florida. Serves as an excellent follow-up to what we've been talking about. Jesus said, have you not read? You know there are different types of readers. There are those who never read. Those who read sparingly. Those who read selectively. Those who read defensively. And those who read regularly. What kind of reader are you? God has unveiled the great mystery having to do with how we can live right and be forgiven of sin and go to heaven. Have you read that story? Are you reading the Bible every day? 
Are you attempting to interest others in reading what you're reading? It is amazing how much Bible you can learn by taking 15 or 20 minutes a day and spending that in the Word. It will help you through the day and help you through life. Paul became a prisoner in order to reveal what we are able to read today. Let's be standing as we sing. There's a great day coming.